Hey, let's dive in. We're uh, going to start a series, a summer series, and this is going to be a little bit all over the map. We're just going to take a journey really through God's Word and look at different topics and ideas. And, and I'm excited about this summer, and I don't know what your summer is, is, is looking like. But I just want to encourage you, lean in over this summer. We're going to keep gathering together, whether people are on vacation or not. And uh, every weekend, we're just going to go to God and, and ask Him for encouragement and wisdom from His Word. And today, I'm excited about kicking this series off. I, I don't know what you think about when you think about a road trip, but I was just in my mind as I was preparing this week thinking about some of the things that are important to me when I'm planning a trip. I don't know if you have some essentials that you, that you need when you're going to be driving any good distance, say two, three hours or more. But I know for me, there's a few things I like to have in the car. Number one is I like to have a big, tall glass uh, of iced tea, preferably Chick-fil-A iced tea. Man, you gotta have you gotta have iced tea on the road trip. And then the other thing, because you know I get tired, I have found the cure for me when I'm traveling is sunflower seeds. Any other sunflower seeds people in the room? Like they just I don't know what it is, if it's the salt or just chewing something for hours, it keeps me awake. And that's a good, that's a safe thing. And then if the kids are in the car, man, essentials right there. iPad. The iPad has to make it on the trip. You know, I was thinking about different trips we've taken, and I don't know how you are when you're planning a trip, but I'm a last-minute I'm a last minute packer. I know some of you in the room, like when you're planning a trip, you, you pull out the suitcase a week before, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're, just, you're crazy. For me, I'm, I, I get into packing mode about 45 minutes before we're going to pull out of the house. That's right. There's no reason to worry or get anxious or be thinking about that kind of stuff. Man, I like to just get it all done as fast as I possibly can. And then another rule I have about road trips is before I leave the house, I have to make sure, it's my OCD, I got to make sure the house is clean. Anybody else with me in the room, you got to have a clean house. Because the worst thing in the world is coming home from a vacation or a road trip to a dirty house, man. It's just, I want to walk in, I want to see the lines in the carpet, I want everything to be in their place. It's enough mess just trying to unpack from vacation or, or a road trip. I, I was thinking back, uh, there was one particular trip I was taking. I was on staff serving with, with my dad several years ago. And there was, uh, Jen and I, before we planted Bay Chapel, we, we did praise and worship and music ministry for several years. And there was this big conference in Tennessee I was going to be heading to by myself, and I, actually, I was going to meet a friend in North Florida, and then we were going to head up to Tennessee together, and so I had, like I typically do, was packing and, and planning, and Jen was kind of helping me along. Jen's got this Google Doc for me, you know, because inevitably, there's always something that I forget on the trip, and so she's got this Google Doc, and we're getting everything together, organized, and I, I remember leaving early that morning just so I could... You know, it's also, road trip is also an opportunity because everything for me is competitive. I'm always figuring out what is the, you know, how can I make the best time? How, how few stops can I make? And then when I get there, you know, I call Jen and go, Jen, you're not going to believe the time I just made. I mean, it's incredible. And I got up to Gainesville area and I was pumping gas and I looked in the back seat and I thought, man, something doesn't look right. And I called Jen, I said, Babe, are you still home? She hadn't left for work yet that morning. And I said, if, if you wouldn't mind, would you walk outside? 
and just see if there's anything that I had left. And Jen walked outside, and lo and behold, right there on the driveway was my suitcase, everybody. Oh, listen, that's the absolute worst right there. And, and, and you know what? I was sick to my stomach. I'm like, there is no way I'm driving three hours back. And I was so frustrated. I saw it as an opportunity. It was like God was saying, Wes, you need a new wardrobe. It's really what I, it's how I interpreted that situation. And I turned something bad into something good. But, I, you know, we're going we're gonna to take a road trip this summer. We're going to look at God's word. And I think that one of the things that, that happens on a road trip oftentimes is the conversations we have. And oftentimes the conversations you have with yourself, the internal conversations or, or conversations with others. And I think there's times where on road trips, it's a great opportunity to have a conversation with God. And that's what I've titled this message this morning is Conversations with God. I just want to encourage you, whatever road trip you're on today, whatever place in life you're at, whatever season in your life, I want you to know this. God wants to be right there in the middle of that moment. God wants to be right in the middle of the moment of your life right now. For some of you, you've run away from God. The circumstances of your life have been so dark, so scary, so fearful that you didn't know where to turn and so you've isolated yourself. And God wants to remind you this morning, if you don't hear anything else I'm saying, God wants to be right in the middle of your situation. He wants to walk through the valleys with you. He wants to walk through the mountains with you. He wants to walk through the painful situations and the joys of your life. Today I want to dive into what it looks like to have a conversation with God. Understanding how to go to God's word and hear from God. I love what Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6, and I'm going to use the message paraphrase. It says this, it says, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. I love that. Listen to it one more time. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. It's like a proverb writer is reminding us that in every season and situation, the best place to go for direction in our life is God's word. He's the source. He's the source of all wisdom and understanding and guidance for everything in our life. But I think so often we struggle to do this. We look we look to our favorite magazine or, or blog or, or social media friend or whatever place. But so often we look to the wrong sources for strength and inspiration and guidance in our life. And God's saying, if you look to me, you'll know the straight and narrow path that he has for your life. And I think there's a few reasons that we miss hearing God. And we don't go to God's word. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Oftentimes, it's just a lack of discipline. It's a lack of discipline. And I know this about Bay Chapel is that there's so many people in our church that are new in their faith. Or maybe you grew up Catholic or you grew up in a church or, you know, you went to Sunday school when you were a kid. But maybe you in those teen and young adult years got separated from God. Maybe you find yourself just leaning in for the first time in a long time. And what I hear so often, that's really what I'm kind of targeting this message to is for those that are struggling to take that first step or really, really dive in. I think what happens for so many people is when you try to take that initial step into God's word, you feel overwhelmed. Have you ever felt like that before? Like, you know, God is speaking and speaking through the Bible, but man, there's 66 books. 
And there's a lot of different writers. And man, there's stories that you don't understand the context to, and what is God saying, and how am I supposed to apply this to my life? I, I think sometimes going into God's word is oftentimes like going to a new gym for the first time. Have you ever had this experience? Like, you know, maybe it's a new year and you decide you're gonna turn over a new leaf and start exercising, you walk into the gym, and there's just machines all over the place. And you know, there's 50 different ways to do ab exercises, but you don't know where to start. And you look in there and there's people that look like they all know what they're doing, their muscles are bigger than yours, they've been doing this for years, and you feel way out of place. I've been there before, that's why, you know, just, just don't go to the gym. It's just easier that way. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to keep eating. And, but, but I think so often that's why what happens with people in their spiritual life is you, you dive in. You feel so overwhelmed. You don't know where to begin. And so you don't take the initial step at all. I just want to encourage you with some practical things this morning to, to take that initial step. Man, you know, one of the easiest and, and most simple things you could do is just download the Bible app. Whether you have a physical Bible or not, download the Bible app. Find a reading. There's so many reading plans. There are just simple ways that maybe have a scripture or two. I think another good system for doing this, just practically, if you're wanting wisdom for your life, is just start with the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. A chapter for every day of the month. It's such, a, such an easy and practical way. And I mean, you could dive into that every, you can read a chapter in Proverbs in, in a couple of minutes. There's so much wisdom inside that one book. And then you could go to the, the book of Psalms or you could start in the Gospels. I think that's another great place. The Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But start small and start somewhere. But don't let the greatness and and vastness of the Bible keep you from taking a step and and hearing from God every single day of your life. One one of the books that I think is inspiring and encouraging me more than any other this year is a book by James Clear. And it's called Atomic Habits. If you haven't read this, I would encourage you to do it or or get it on Audible. It's a powerful book. It's not a faith-based book. But uh, it, it's really a, a building block. There's another great book, uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And, and there's, so, there's so many great resources when it comes. This, this message isn't about habits, but this idea of discipline is so powerful to understanding how to take next steps in our spiritual life. And one of the most, I think, powerful things in this book, Atomic Habits, is James Clear talks about the two-minute rule. And he says this, when you're building discipline in your life, no matter if it's spiritual, if you're trying to eat healthier, trying to exercise, whatever you're doing, he says, you need to be able to break down every habit that you want to develop in your life. Let's just be honest, this is a struggle for us. And I hope this message encourages you. And I'm just going to stay here for a second before we move forward because this this could change the course of your your family if you would build spiritual habits, habits in your life. He says this, every habit in your life should be scaled down into something you can do in two minutes. And so if you want to build a habit that takes 30 minutes a day, start by doing something that takes only two minutes a day. He said you, if, if you want to read before bed each night, start by reading one page each night. If you want to start folding the laundry, start by folding one pair of socks. That's why when Jen tells me to fold the laundry, 
I just fold one pair of socks and say, babe, I'm still building this habit. You know what I'm saying? Just, I'm still building the habit. He says, if you want to run three miles, start by tying your running shoes. Do something that takes two minutes. And he, he uses an illustration of a guy who lost over 100 pounds. And the guy knew he needed to make some significant changes. And so to start out, he, he started going to the gym, but he made this rule for himself for the first few weeks. He would only go to the gym for five minutes a day. Now, that seems super silly, right? Because there's no way he's going to lose the kind of weight and change his whole life by, by going to the gym for just five minutes a day. But here's what he realizes, realizes that that's so powerful about even our spiritual life is that if all I focus on is the goal, but never the process of becoming like the people that I want to be like, then I probably will never make it to the goal. He said this, so what I need to do is start doing what the people who are in the gym and are really healthy and have an active lifestyle do every day. They go to the gym. And if I'll focus on becoming like the people who have a healthy lifestyle, then the results will take care of themselves. And what happened is those five minutes turned to 10 minutes and 15 minutes, and all of a sudden he began to develop a passion and a love for a healthy lifestyle. This applies so much to our spiritual lives, everybody. For some of us, we're not taking any steps because we don't know how, man, I don't know how to become a super spiritual giant like you, or I don't know how to do this. Well, listen, everybody can read the Bible for two minutes every day. And, you know, maybe that doesn't bring huge life change to you. But over the course of time, that two minutes becomes five minutes. You begin to develop habits. And you say, man, the idea of honoring God with my tithe and giving my money first to God, that seems so overwhelming. But if you started small, you know, I was with my, my parents this week on vacation. I, I listened to my dad. My, my, my boy was celebrating his birthday, his eighth birthday. And my dad was just pouring in. I listened to my dad pouring the same principles that he did to me when I was a kid. He said, Ben, now where's the first place that our money goes? Ben, where's, man, it goes to God. So let me help you understand this birthday money you have. It's what he did with me. I'm telling you like, dad, I don't want to give my birthday money to God. You know, this is my birthday money. But he developed in us a habit that has carried on and set the trajectory for my family's destiny of honoring God in our life. And it has shaped us. It has given us joy. It has caused us to live disciplined and not live beyond ourselves. And you know what? We're content because of it. What if we develop that kind of discipline in our life? Here's what Matthew 7 says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me tell you this today. Consistency builds passion in our lives. You say, I don't have passion. Let me tell you, consistency builds passion. Consistency builds passion. You say, I don't feel it right now. Keep doing it until the feelings happen. Choices lead, feelings follow. We don't wait for our feelings to decide we're going to do the right thing. We make a decision, God, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to spend time with you, and the feelings will come. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's, let's be disciplined. Let's grow in God. Let's, let's start taking small steps to become the kind of people we want to be more like Jesus. Lack of discipline is, is a huge one. I think a second reason is we go through dry seasons. 
dry seasons. And let me just encourage somebody today who's in a dry season, man, to lean in, to not let go, to know that sometimes, man, there's, there's mountaintops and there's valleys, but God is with us every step of the way. You know, I'm watching the NBA Finals right now, and as I was thinking about this idea of dry seasons, I don't think there's any, any other game that has these momentum swells, the, the ebbs and flow of a game like basketball. And there'll be times where a team will, will just go on this run, a 10, 12, 12-0 run, and you'll see the, the lead change, and, you know, the, the Raptors and Warriors are going back and forth. And what I notice so often that happens when a team goes cold in a game, they can't make anything. You know, they're just building bricks on that rim. And is, is the coach will do something wise for that team, will call a timeout. And I love what happens in the timeout. I was thinking about what goes on during those couple of minutes. There's three things that happen. They, they, they remember, they rehearse. That, that coach gets those players around and sits them down and says, guys, you need to remember what we talked about before we started the game. When you're going through a dry season, can I encourage you? Remember God's faithfulness in the past. Sometimes we get so forgetful of how good God is when things are dry. And some of us need to remind ourselves, you know what, God? I, I don't feel you right now, but I can look back and see that you are with me every step of the way. Every dark place, every dry season of my life. The second thing, not only they remember, they refresh. Man, that, that water boy, he gets out there and he's handing cups of water and Gatorade to every one of those players. And I think so often we need to, in the dry season, find the thing that refreshes us. Go to God's word. Find the thing that brings you joy. Find the thing, get extra rest. Find the thing that brings peace to your heart. And then they reset. They reset. They reevaluate their goals. They say, guys, here's what we need to do. Here's the changes we need to make. I think the third thing is this, is oftentimes the reason we disconnect from God is, is the sin issues of our life. It's the sin issues. I heard this quote this week as I was studying, but Howard Hendricks said this about the word of God. He said this, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. He said this again, the book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. And I think what happens so often is that when sin creeps its way into our life, we retreat instead of remain. We run instead of remain. I was reading John 15 on the treadmill this morning as, as Jesus reminded us, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and I in you. You can't bear good fruit unless you remain in me. The source of your strength is not by running, by isolating, but staying close. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, look what he says. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Conversations with God. I want to give you five things this morning that will just, I think, help, help you take next steps when it comes to diving in and leaning in God's word. And actually being willing to listen to God. You know what I think oftentimes happens in our spiritual life is we go to God when we're desperate. And so often our conversation with God is like a one-way conversation. We do all the talking. Have you ever had somebody in your life, maybe you do now, that you know when you get on the phone with them, that all you have to do is give them a uh-huh every once in a while and they will carry that whole conversation? 
Do you know the person that you talk to that seriously, you could put them on mute, go to the bathroom, unmute them, and they would not have known the difference. I mean, I'm not saying I've ever done this or would ever confess to that, but I'm saying there's people in your life, you know that all they, they just talk. They, they don't want to have a conversation. They just want you to listen. And I think so often that's what happens with our relationship with God, but he wants it to look different. He wants relationship. And it starts by, number one, waiting on God. Wait on God. It's the word I think I like the least. Wait. I, I hate waiting. I will drive to the next fast food restaurant if I have to wait too long. I've, I've frustrated myself so many times because then I get there and realize I just have to wait there. If only I was a little more patient. I was having a conversation at dinner with a family recently, and my boys, probably like your kids, they get their meal, and, and literally in two seconds, the meal has vanished. It's like a magic trick, man. They just eat so fast, and I'm talking, having this conversation with this adult, and I realize that Caden is trying to get my attention. Dad, dad, and he knows that I'm talking, and I'm getting aggravated because he knows that I'm talking, and finally, he's, dad, can I play my iPad? And, and after about the hundredth time, of hearing him ask, Dad, can I play my iPad? I looked over and I said, son, if you ask me one more time, you might not be alive to ever see your iPad again. You know, like I'm talking, I'm talking. And I think, I think that's what happens with our relationship with God. We don't wait on God. We just go to God and go, God, I need this. Can I have that? How's this going to work out? And we got questions. Instead of trusting the process and, 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 and going to God, seeking his heart instead of his hand. We just, we just go for stuff. We go for our needs. And, and God wants relationship. That's why Isaiah says this in chapter 30. He says, the sovereign Lord, the holy one of Israel, says to the people, come back and quietly trust me. Then you'll be strong and secure. But look what the prophet says. But you refuse to do it. You just, you just go your own way and do your own thing. And then, and then come to God when everything isn't working out in your life. But wait on me. So, uh, David says this in Psalm 46. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Number two, seek God for wisdom and understanding. David says this in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything that you find in me that makes you sad. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life. Like, don't let your Bible reading become a time that just you check off and makes you feel good because you did it. But always go to God and go, God, what do you, I, I think one of the best questions before you read your Bible, whenever you do that or listen to it on Audible, right, is God, what do you want to say to me today? God, give me one truth, one nugget that I can take with me that can change my day, that can change my destiny, that can change the way I talk to my wife and treat my kids and love my family and my coworkers. Seek God, not for his hand, seek God for wisdom and understanding. Psalm 119 says, open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. You know, I'll be honest, one of the things I do, I, I did it this week. I was reading Psalm 63, and God, man, was just pouring this passage into my heart. One of the things I'll do, man, use the technology. Google, make it your best friend. I'm not saying everything you search for in Google is good. But if I'm reading a passage, I don't fully understand it. I'll, I'll, it's what I did this week. I said, Psalm 63 inside or Psalm 63, uh, you know, about this. And 
There's, it's amazing the devotionals and resources that'll come up that'll help just bring a passage or scripture to life. Seek God for wisdom. Number three, read a section of scripture. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And can I just give you something really practical with this? Because some of you have even struggled because I use different translations with different passages. Is pick one that you understand. I think maybe, maybe you grew up in a household that, you know, is King James. And you're like, man, do I need to do King James? If you like Shakespeare, do King James, all right? If you like a, a passage, you know, if you like a translation that actually connects with your life. Read the New Living Translation or, or a paraphrase like the Message or the Passion Translation. One of the greatest resources, I think I've shared this recently, but BibleGateway.com. It's a great place to go and just cross-reference and use different translations. I'm just trying to give you, I hope this is helping this morning. Just some practical stuff to take a next step. Because I, I, I don't want you to go, man, you know, Pastor never shared with me any good advice on how to actually do this or, or take a next step. What if we all made a commitment that every day we'd spend five minutes studying God's word, how our lives would look different in 2020, how God could change us. Number four, meditate and memorize. Meditate and memorize. David says again, Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Parents, I would challenge you, encourage you, and let these be some of the best eight weeks of your family's life. Your kids right now, they're, they're memorizing scripture in BC Kids, and they're going to bring a scripture home. Maybe start by memorizing the, the scriptures that they're learning. One of the things that I think is great is just to go old school and get note cards. And just get a note card and find a verse that God is speaking to you and take it with you and put it in your car. Or put it in, on your desk at your office. Find a practical way to make sure that God's word stays in front of you every day, all the time. Study it and apply it and, and, and let it sink in deep into your spirit. And number five is this, apply it to your life. Apply it to your life. And, and James in the New Testament talks about this. He says, man, if, if you just read God's word but don't take what it says, it's like looking, looking in a mirror but not believing and not knowing what you look like and not discovering or let it change you. You know, we've got to let God's word change and sink in and, and make us new. Psalm 119 says this, how can a young person or old person or any person stay along the path of purity by living according to your word? David says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. You know, my, my whole goal every week, I, I try to, have, have one goal or one central idea, desire for, for you that could be a takeaway. You know what? My, my heart for you today is that you would leave here and say, God, I want to have a love for your word. I want, I want to be in relationship with you. God, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get me out of hell card. I don't want to just come to you when life is a mess and my marriage is jacked up. God, I want to I come to you every day and know that you're with me, that you're leading me and loving me and guiding me and changing me. And God has the power to do that. Can you imagine what our relationships would be like if, if we just decided that, you know, I told 
I, t- I told my wife I loved her when, when we got married. And if that ever changes, I'm going to let her know. It wouldn't work, man. It wouldn't work, man. Let me tell you, one of the, I know this about my relationship with Jen. It's not the big things. It's not the big gifts. It's all those little text messages with emojis, man. She just goes, Cray, you just send that heart emoji and like 20 of them. And just, you know, emoji her to death. That, she loves it. She just wants to know that when I'm not with her, that I'm thinking about her. God wants to know that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, that you're thinking about him and that he's with you. And I believe this, when we do that, God can change our lives. Do you believe it this morning? Somebody say amen. Watch you bow your heads as we pray today.